With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Getting dressed for success sounds great until you see that your clothes are wrinkled. The Conair Turbo Extreme Steam Steam and Iron 2-in-1 is your solution. It's the most powerful handheld steamer with advanced heat technology, so it obliterates wrinkles with turbocharged dry steam quickly and easily. It's ready almost instantly and also works without steam as a dry iron. To get your wrinkle solution today, go to Amazon and search for Conair Turbo Extreme Steam and look for the Steam and Iron 2-in-1. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. This is the Sons of UCF, the number one place for UCF sports. With your distinguished host, Adam. What was your reaction when you got notified that you were going to be a, a Hall of Famer? How does that sound to you, Coach O'Leary Hall of Famer? Yeah, I'm in a number of Hall inducted into a number of Hall of Fame. And Mike. I don't know if you know this, but I won the 5K race that we did. Oh, boy. Now, here are the guys. All right, welcome back in, Sons of UCF, episode number 170. As always, I'm Adam, and this uh, charming fellow with me again, as always, another week, my friend and yours, Twitter's favorite follow, Mr. UCF, Mike One is back. Mike, welcome back, my friend. How are you? Thank you, man. Doing very good here. It's a Monday night, uh, busy weekend, and ready to get going on this show here. I can't wait to get going on the show as well, Mike. Heavy basketball show tonight. We have... Uh, a lot of talk, obviously, two games UCF has won and lost here the last week, so we'll go over that. Only a handful of games left for the Knights as we maybe get to the conference tournament, maybe get to postseason. Who the heck knows? We'll talk through all that stuff. Uh, we're going to bring on Isaiah Sykes this evening. Like, excited to talk to him. One of the um, one of the better players we've had in our UCF basketball history. I was looking at all the stats and stuff today. Uh, I forgot how good this guy was, man. He was a he was a solid All Star kind of player for us. He was a he was a beast back in those days. Zeke, yeah, this guy could really take the ball to the hoop, create his own shot. Um, he was a just a good all-around scorer. I really remember him as that, and I'm excited to talk to him later on. 
Baseball started this weekend, Mike, and it was a thrashing. We'll quickly talk through that. And uh, I guess we'll start off at the top with some breaking football news that just took place here earlier on Monday, Mike. We'll get to all that. But you do us a favor. Make sure you follow us on where we're at, social media stuff, at Sons UCF, everywhere you go, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram. Uh, make sure you also follow Mike on Twitter. He's a hoot on Twitter these days, at UCF Mike one if you want to get in on that conversation. And trust me, there's plenty of them. Uh, so you can follow Mike there. Our website, tunatesmedia.com, live show on Thursdays, blah, 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 blah. Make sure you leave us five-star ratings, reviews. I know there's like 35 new UCF podcasts out there, but hey, we're still your favorite, right? So make sure you give us a nice five-star review. We've been doing it for a while now. I know there's been like four or five that pop up every year. We go back now since 2018, so almost four years doing this thing. Uh, we've evolved as time has gone on. We got this video show going on now, so... Uh, I'm still having a good time doing it, so let's keep it rolling. Keep it, Mike's keep having a good time. Moving. And what other podcast, Mike, is brought to you by Manscaped? Uh, the support for the Suns USF comes from Manscaped, the best men's below-the-waist grooming champions in the world. Make sure you go to manscaped.com, promo, so, promo code Sons of UCF, 20% off, Mike, and worldwide shipping. We'll get to all that later on, Mike. But let's uh, – breaking football news off the top. A coaching staff change is afoot, Mike. Wide receiver coach Daryl Wyatt reportedly being hired by Boston College in the same position, leaving a vacancy on the UCF Knights staff. Wyatt's been one of those guys that's probably a little bit maligned, right? I think he gets a little bit of criticism here and there. Receivers haven't been uh, maybe as consistent the last couple of years, but this year was a good year. Players seem to love him, but either way, it appears that uh, Daryl Wyatt's on the move, Mike. You know, position coaches are going to change every year. You're going to lose a couple guys. You have to replace a couple guys. He's been here for a little while, and anytime the receiver drops the ball, you know we're blaming the the, the wide receiver coach. But I mean, what what can the guy really do? <laughs> you know, it's, it's not always his fault. I think we give coaches too much blame sometimes, too much praise when things go well. So, you know, he's got an opportunity to move on. I'm sure he's getting probably going to get paid more money going to Boston College. So, you know, that's the next step in his career. Then good for him. He was always a curious hire. For those who forget, he was part of Hypel's staff. And then there was rumors that Hypel essentially fired him, that he was gone from the staff. And then before you knew it, Hypel fired himself and went to Tennessee. Gus brought a whole new staff in and couldn't fill the receiver um, position. And all of a sudden, Wyatt was on Hypel, or on Malzahn's staff. And there wasn't really a connection between the two. It seemed like a really odd hire at the time. Pretty much everybody else that Gus had hired had had some previous relationship with him, except for Wyatt. So it was always kind of an odd fit. So it's not surprising to see him maybe moving on to a situation that's better for him. Um, as a coach, Marlon Williams was on Twitter today and said basically UCF lost a real one. Uh, Ryan O'Keefe has spoken really lovingly and glowingly about Daryl Wyatt. So the players seem to really, really like him. Um, but again, fans, we kind of get on him every time someone, someone runs the wrong routes or whatever. Um, really the only knock I, I think I've ever heard on Wyatt, and I don't know you know where I heard this from, is um, – he wasn't much of a recruiter, wasn't a kind of the kind of guy who wanted to get in houses and meet kids, wasn't really one of those closer type guys. So maybe, you know, Malzahn can bring in dynamic uh, recruiting guy in. You got to imagine he's got some names in his uh, in his cupboard. One of them won't be Cody Burns, Mike, who was a UCF receivers coach for about seven days. He went to Tennessee, now going to the NFL. He used to be at Auburn as well. So that's a name you can cross off the list, Mike. But I'm sure it'll be somebody and, you know, maybe it'll be somebody good. And I'm sure that person will be here for a couple of years and we'll move on from there. But uh, at least uh, we know Daryl Wyatt moving on to Boston College. Yeah. And anytime one of these positions open up, UCF fans everywhere always want to replace them with a UCF guy, right? Yeah. Who's the UCF uh, receiver we can bring back in? Beckton was a good one. And he is a very good recruiter, too. So that would be a nice fit. I don't know if that's going to happen. 
probably somebody Gus is familiar with, somebody he's worked with, maybe one of his former players probably fill that spot, but uh, you never know. And if it is a former UCF wide receiver, who would it be? Who Besides Becton, who's out there that's actually a coach right now that's uh, a former receiver? I don't even know. Brian Waters, I think we had him on. He's coaching okay. somewhere in Oklahoma. Um, but I don't know. I don't think him and Gus have any ties, right? Everyone's going to go to Brandon Marshall, who, by the way, is not coming out of a multi-million dollar like athletic um, podcast and training facility to coach receivers. Mike Sims Walker probably not coming out of wherever he's at to coach receivers. Um, Brian Waters is the only name that comes to mind on the receiver ranks, other than Becton. I, mean, I guess Sean Jefferson, but I doubt he's leaving the NFL to come back to college. So right, who knows? Yeah, yeah. Jefferson was a great guy too. We we spoke to him. Uh, probably like a year or two ago now um he he'd be a nice fit but yeah it's not gonna be one of those guys you're gonna get a guy that wants to earn his way probably a guy that wants to be a head coach one day or an offensive coordinator at least the next step so position coach is first and find somebody that's hungry and that's willing to go out on the recruiting trail and that's the most important thing i think is somebody that's gonna get into these homes and bring in top uh the top talent the only good news is is mike it's football news. We finally got something football related that we can follow. I'm going to miss Cam good, but that was really the only story we've been looking at football wise. So we finally have a football story to chase down. So that'll be exciting. Not that we don't love everything else, but football obviously is our, uh, our probably our main passionate sport around here at the Suns UCF. Second, maybe to men's basketball, Mike. So let's dive into some men's hoops. Here's where we are right now. Men's hoops, two games this past week, Houston, 70 to 52 loss. They rebound Sunday. They play ECU at home, 69-66. Darren Green with a game winner at the buzzer. So UCF now 16-9, and 8-7 and seven overall in conference. They are in the sixth position in the conference, which is significant because top five get buys in the conference tournament. So they are uh, outside looking in right now, but I'll get back to that in a second. Mike, Houston was just an abysmal game. We were in it at halftime, but after that, it was all done. We shot 28% from the field. Houston had 36 points in the paint. There, uh, Brandon Mahan got injured early in the game. That thing was over probably really early in the second half. UCF didn't have much for Houston, unfortunately. Long scoring droughts killed us in that game. Uh, we just got done doing the live show Thursday night. I go into the living room. I, it was about 18.50 to go in the first half. I missed the first minute and a half. We didn't score a point for about the first 10 minutes I was watching that game. 10 minutes of game time. I think we went nine something without scoring a point. And you can't do that against teams like Houston. They're just going to take advantage of it. And really, in the first half, we got away with it. They didn't really take advantage of it too much. We clawed our way back in there by the end of the half. But then we had another long scoring drought there in the second half. They clamped down on us. That thing was over. Um, with about four minutes to go, we were down 14. I turned it off. It was late. It was about 11 o'clock. I said, this is enough for me. Um, but I, we did, not a game we expected to win, but a game we expected maybe to show a little more uh, competitive fight in there, I guess. But um, just not in the cards for us this season with that team. So um, at least they rebounded against East Carolina and, and got the win there at home. Yeah, I mean, you hope that they would maybe show up. And, and you know, we said it on the, show, the live show right before the game with B.J. Taylor. If you make shots, we're going to be in it. We weren't really hitting shots, but we were still within striking distance at halftime. So to your point, it felt like, hey, maybe – we get lucky. We make a couple of threes. Someone gets hot, and, and that just didn't just didn't happen. And then even ECU, Mike, again a nice 69-66 a 66 win. Darren Green had 19 points. Your favorite player, Ty Freeman, off the bench, off the cobwebs, dusted off the mothballs, came in at 11 points. Provided a lot of energy. Frankly, he was a a really good spark in the game. Uh, and UCF now wins that one, Mike. So yeah, you make up for it. But again, here we are, 16 and nine. 
eight and seven in conference. And here's why that's significant. We are sitting in the sixth seat. In fifth place right now, right in front of us is Temple. They are eight and five in conference. Tulane ahead of them and nine and five in conference. But we only have three conference games left. Temple has to play Memphis, Tulane, Houston, and the Cows. Tulane has Houston, Temple, UCF, and SMU. So we have opportunity here. If we can take care of business against Cincinnati, Tulsa, and Tulane with the schedule that these other two teams have, we absolutely have an opportunity to leapfrog our way into the top five and at least get that by, Mike. Do you think that's going to happen? Hey, we need that to happen. If we want to have any chance of winning that tournament, we need that bye. We need to have fresh legs going into the last couple games. Uh, that's very possible. The schedule you just laid out there for me, that's a tough road for those other teams. They yeah. play each other. Yep. So basically, we just got to take care of business. That Tulane game is going to be a huge game for us. Yeah, uh, we control our own gonna... fate. Yeah, we control our own fate with Tulane, right? I mean, they're they're basically two ahead of us, right? If we beat them, and then they lose to Houston, which you'd expect that they will, and then they lose to SMU, which you expect that they will. All of a sudden, now we're in the driver's seat. So that's a that's a big one. I know we said there wasn't a lot of um, big games left, but you might want to circle that uh, that Tulane game because it could definitely have uh, some impact on the conference tournament. All right, that's a big one. But then, as the way this team goes, that how the inconsistency they've played, we could go out there beat Tulane and then flush it all the to- down the toilet against Tulsa, and you know I wouldn't be surprised at that. So you know we got to take this thing one at a time here. Uh, the hardest games are past us now. No more Houston. Cincinnati is not going to be easy, but they're having a down season too. We should be able to take care of them. Where it's, it's a home game, you got to you got to win that one, and then see where the chips fall after that. You know, the Tulane game is going to be a tough one. That it's a road game, right? The Tulane, the last two games are on the road. Last two are road. Yeah, we have the and, the rare Wednesday night 9 p.m. Eastern tip off uh, against Cincinnati, and then the other two are um, two on the road. Yeah, we have not played great on the road either. So those are not gimme wins. Um, but we need to have them. We need to finish this thing with the last three wins to get that bye week. And then, you know, you position yourself where you may not have to face Houston uh, the second round, possibly, uh, depending on how the seeds work out. So, it, you know, still still hope, but it's it's diminishing as the, as the weeks pass by here. And we may not have any Brandon Mayhan availability. He had an ankle injury against Houston, did not play against ECU, was in a boot. Uh, Johnny Dawkins afterwards was kind of coy, basically said he's going to be out for a while. So we don't know what that means. Does that mean a week? Does that mean two weeks? Does that mean the rest of the season? So you have to face the possibility that maybe Mayhan's not in there, which might free up some more time for your guy, Ty Freeman, Mike. I mean, he played really well, a lot of energy. Even Jamil Reynolds played really well against DCU. You, you, you can see that this is the frustrating part of this team is you can see the glimpses of like, hey, this is what we could be. You can see Freeman with energy. You can see Perry going two of five on three. Darius Johnson hit a couple of threes. You can see that that glimmer of like, hey, wow, this is us. And then you see what we do against Houston, where we shoot 28%. And, uh, you know, both Perry and, and Green are 2 of 12, and Darius Johnson's 3 of 11. And then you're like, okay, well, that's us too. So it's hard to figure out where we're going to be night in and night out. Yeah, Houston is a good defensive team, so maybe that plays into that a little bit there too. But, um, you know, the, the shooting is – we're living and dying with the three-point. And it's been that way all season. Unfortunately, we have become a one-dimensional team on offense. And, you know, guys like Freeman come in and give a spark. That's a good thing. I hope we see a little bit more of him because we're going to have to build off these young guys going into next season now. I mean, we're going to be losing a lot of fifth-year players. Uh, it's going to be a young team next year. Might as well start looking towards the future a little bit. Well, we will find out, Mike. And speaking of your future, let's, let's, let's spend some time here. You, you have been uh, on the social media platform the last couple of days. You've, you've gotten us all tagged in a lot of these long threads, Mike. Uh, I've and certainly uh, 140 characters does not allow you the, uh, the space to articulate specifically what you want to articulate. For those who haven't been keeping up, let me at least try to set the scene and we can get into this, right? You have been asking the question, and, I just, and if, I'm, if I had this correct, you can correct me. 
You've been asking the question, when is it time to start talking about, do we move on from Johnny Dawkins? I don't think you're saying he needs to be fired. I think what you're saying is, when do we start looking at this and say, hey, do we start to think maybe a coaching change is needed? Out of the woodwork jumps a lot of different people, and there's probably the same three, four handful of people who fire back at you and say, it's not fair to do that because we don't fund UCF men's basketball very well. It's underfunded in terms of the conference. It's underfunded in terms of the state. It's underfunded in terms of everything else you can be underfunded of. And in some respects, these folks think that Johnny has overachieved. Basically, he's gotten more out of less than anybody else. Your response to that is, I get it. That's fair. But when is it okay for us to say, why can't we exceed expectations? We see other teams do it. We see other sports do it. Then you get clapped back with, well, you can't compare sports. And then your response is, I'm not comparing sports. I'm saying <laughs> you see teams all the time who are able to do less with more and still win games. Yet we haven't consistently done that. We haven't gotten to the tournament. We haven't gotten to the end of the goal, which is we want to get into the postseason. And your response that you're met with typically has been, well, we're still better off than we could be. And, well, it's good enough compared to where we are. And your frustration, I sense, is you're like, hey, we're all just good not being good. We're all just good being mediocre and just saying, oh, well, you know, if we had another million dollars, we'd have won that game. And nobody has the drive to say, let's get better, let's improve. And the response you were met back with is, we're doing the best with what we have. I think that sums up a lot of the conversation. Correct me if I missed any of that for, for the audience out there. Yeah, I think you, you summed it up pretty well. Uh, it's the same guys that always uh, are commenting back. And to them, the budget is everything. You know, you can only do so much on a, a certain amount of money. And we've done as much as we can with this budget, which either tells me, one, I should just give up because there's no hope. We can't get any better than what we've been doing. We, some people say we've overachieved, which I think is funny. There's no way you can say this team is overachieving, especially not this season. This season was... I don't care what everybody says now that coming into this year, we, we were saying 98% of this team is coming back. Everybody, this was the year. This is three years removed from the last tournament team. This is Johnny's guys. He replenished the roster. We see the names. This was the team that was poised to make a run at the tournament. And they have been disappointing. I mean, there's been a disappointing season, right? Uh, we're a 500 team in a conference that really is not that strong this year. I know some of the names, Memphis, uh, SMU's got a pretty strong history. Houston's really good. But this conference is not great. There's going to get maybe two teams in the tournament this year. So we've basically been a mediocre team in a mediocre conference this season. And to me, that's just not good enough. Um, at least not six years in, not after you should have already rebuilt this thing from three years ago. You know, I think we should be a strong top three or four team in this conference. And you want to keep bringing up the budget. It is possible to overachieve from your budget. I mean, people do it all the time. And they throw out the football examples of, uh, yeah, UCF gets this much money in football, and this is how we compare it to the other teams. I saw that list of top 15 teams in football. Half of those teams are no good. And where are the teams like Coastal Carolina and Louisiana and Appalachian State that have surpassed their budgets and played over their heads? That's what we're asking for. We're asking not to do it every year, but every once in a while, you know, play above what we're supposed to be playing and it just hasn't happened well it happens in college basketball too right i mean uh, chicago loyola was in the, in the final four butler back in the day went to back-to-back -back final fours and i don't have their budget numbers in front of me nor am i gonna look them up but it happens all the time where teams who on paper shouldn't be competing based on resources are able to go in and win games and i think that the, the, the challenge here is if for some reason anytime you want to question whether or not coaching is the problem 
everyone gets really upset about that and says, well, Johnny, he's doing the best he can. He's a nice guy. And none of that's disputable. And I don't even think, I'm not trying to put words in your mouth. I don't even think you're saying he needs to go. I think what you're saying is when do we start saying this team is underachieving under Johnny Dawkins? What should we do about that? And you're met with nothing. We should just, you personally, Mike, should donate more money. And I should donate more money. And everybody else should donate more money. And then Johnny is going to win. And the challenge is, I think, both of those are probably true, right? You're asking a micro question. Hey, we can't start games in an effective manner. Hey, Darius Perry has a tendency to dribble the ball off his foot. Like a million dollars isn't going to solve that. Like that's not going to make us start a game any faster. It's not going to make us drop a better play. JP Gilbert said it on Twitter. He's actually partially right. That jump shot Darren Green hit really is kind of a bailout for Johnny Dawkins because that was not a well-executed play. I mean, Darren got the ball in a really awkward spot and was able to at least face up and, and get a shot off. But th- I mean, that's not a that's not a high percentage shot, but it goes in and it looks like we drew up a great play. Either way, a million dollars doesn't solve that. Now, what a million dollars could help solve, does it give you better time for player development? Does it give you better weight room equipment? Does it give you better travel accommodations? Yeah, maybe. And do those things translate to wins? Sure. But I just find it funny that we can't ask questions in the micro because the macro is bad. So we all just have to accept that whatever's happening today is fine because we can't solve for what's going to happen tomorrow. I think what you're asking are fair questions. I don't think you're saying fire Dawkins. He's got to go. I think you're saying, what do we have to do to get better? We are not consistent. Here's Johnny's record. He is 110 and 69 in his six seasons at UCF. That's a 61% win percentage. He is 56 and 49 in the AAC. That's 53%. We've been to the postseason twice in those six years. One of the NIT and once the NCAA tournament where we got to the second round. That's that's the resume. That's where he's at. I'm not saying that's good or bad. I'm not saying you compare that to budget and coaches and, and other scenarios that that's good or bad. But I'm saying is there is a point where you have to go, okay, what are we doing and where is are we heading? And the answer can't just be, well, it doesn't matter until we get money. Yeah. And basically, I've looked at this Johnny term so far in two, three-year sections. Now, if you flip them and the first three years were the last three years, you would see, hey, we just went to the tournament. We just went to the NIT. Things are looking up. The problem is those three, the best three years were the first three years. And now the last three years have gone downhill. You know, And let's face it, those teams that he had the most success with were not his recruits. Those were not his players. He took over a team that had B.J. Taylor, Taco Fall. Aubrey, uh, he brought in Aubrey, obviously. But, I mean, that, that, most of that team, Chad Brown, those guys were not his guys that he brought in here. So this team that we're seeing now is his guys. And this team that I'm seeing this year is a team that I see undisciplined. They've made some mistakes that have cost us games this year. Uh, you get a ball, the game against Temple, you got to know where the possession arrow is. You got to know the situation. The guy comes up, ties you up, boom, we lose that game. I've seen a guy inbound the ball and be the first one to touch it. I've never seen that happen in watching basketball at any level. <laughs> Things like that. How many times you mentioned guys dribbling the balls off their foot? The one-dimensional offense has been hard to watch. Uh, the defense has not been as good as it was early in the Dawkins era. And I don't see us out hustling people. It's fine. We don't have the talent of Houston. Maybe not even Memphis, even though we were able to beat them. But we're not out hustling these guys. I don't see us diving on floors for balls. I don't see us out rebounding anybody. That to me is partly coaching. And you know, coming out of timeouts, do, you just said it. The play for uh, that won the game the other day. That maybe that wasn't a great play, but the, but the shot went in. Sometimes that happens. But that's coaching too. I, some of these things I think are valid questions, and you just can't say, "Oh, well, the budget is so much, and that's the answer to everything." Is the budget, and it's just a, a cop out in my eyes. 
Yeah, I'd love to understand, and obviously Trace, I think, is on the uh, on the side of, hey, Dawkins should should continue on in his job. And again, I'm not saying that he shouldn't. I don't know that you're saying that he shouldn't. But I would like to understand from that side of it, and we can ask Trace on Thursday, what is your criteria for firing a coach? Like, what are the, what are the things that a coach has to do for you when you say, hey, that that coach needs to go, right? Because I don't I don't know what that is, and it's not even really a Johnny Dawkins question. It's a it's an any coach question. Like, what are those criteria? I think for you, what you're saying is, let's look at consistency. And if we're not being consistent, if we're not making good in game decisions, if we're not putting on good teams, we should start looking at where our long term and you know, our future lies. But again, you're being met with no, we we need more money. So I guess a million dollars is going to help us solve that. I guess $2 million is going to help. And again, in some respects, yes. Would that help Isaiah Adams not turn in from a superstar freshman to a guy who is literally playing 15 minutes a game and scoring less than four points a game? Would player development help that? Would five additional assistant coaches doing nothing but shooting with him all day long help him get better? Yeah, I guess probably. But will it help Darius Perry not dribble off his foot? I, I don't know. I doubt it. But maybe. Maybe we have better cones if we have more money. I, I have no idea. Maybe we – we get higher brooms on jump shots so that we can have hands in guys' face in practice. I don't, I don't know, but I think there's there's micro questions that are fair to be asked, and maybe those don't lead to Johnny being fired. But I think it's fair to ask, hey, this team has not achieved at the space that we all thought we could. And if you're, I guess the frustrating part, I think from you, and I'll don't want to speak for you, but for me as well, is to your point, it's basically like, well, no matter what, we don't have money, so it doesn't matter. Right. So if we, if we were if we were nine and sixteen right now versus sixteen and nine, we would be like, well, you know, if we had a million dollars, it'd be fine. Like, would we all be okay <laughs> with that? And maybe it sounds like some people would, and that's fine. But I also think it's not it's not unreasonable to ask, well, what if we're not okay with that? Right. And to me, I just mentioned the team hasn't gotten better year to year. This team hasn't gotten better as this season's gone along. We played our best basketball this year in November and December. You know, the best games we played were the Michigan game, the Miami game. We got into conference play, and it has not been great. And that, I'm talking about teams. The East Carolina team is not a very good team. We were down 20 against them on the road, needed a big comeback. And then this one at home, uh, we needed a last-second shot to beat them. The game against the Cows, they, had never, they hadn't won a conference, tournament, uh, conference game leading into that game. They beat us by 20. Mm-hmm. Um, Wichita early in the year was struggling, and they beat us up. Th- th- those games come back to haunt you, and they add up. And we're a 500 team in this conference. And, and a conference that's really, I think, is not as good as people want to say it is. And we're going to find that out when tournament time comes. And it's only Houston and maybe SMU getting into the dance. Yeah, I, I think, again, I read the stats here. We are looking up at Temple and Tulane. Not exactly basketball powerhouses. Temple was very good back in the day. But they have not been a, a, a supreme uh, team in the last you know, five to seven years. So we're looking up at Temple and Tulane. And we're scoreboard watching to see where they're at. Now, I understand your point. Houston is the class of the conference, hands down, no questions asked. SMU has typically been pretty good. Memphis has a lot of talent. So there are some tough teams. And to say that we should be winning the conference every year, no, that would be that would be inaccurate. But we should be in that three, four, five mix, right? We're in we're in the six hole looking up and we need help. We need we need actual help to make sure that we actually get there. We need Houston to take care of business and beat every, beat both these teams twice, which they probably will. But I think that's the challenge is you can't ask a question about the micro well that everyone's throwing the macro back at you and saying, well, we don't have money. So it doesn't matter if we had 35 turnovers. It doesn't matter if we shot 28% against Houston. It doesn't matter because if we had a million dollars, that would have been 48%. And I think that's the fallacy is the money isn't going to solve in-game decisions. It's not going to solve players being motivated. It's not going to solve – we've had B.J. Taylor on every week, and he said to us a few different times, 
where are the player leaders here? Where are the, the leaders on the team? Where are, you know, the, where's the drive? Where, where's the, the passion for some of these things? You don't see that. Is that money? No, I don't I mean, know. To me, the teams or in any sport usually takes on the personality of the coach or the leader of the team. And Dawkins is not a fiery guy on the sidelines. He's not going to be somebody that's, uh, you know, ripping his jacket off and, and screaming. And maybe you don't need that all the time, but you need somebody on this team to take the lead and, and be the face of the franchise and, you know, light a fire under some guys sometimes and change things up. If we're not hitting shots and hitting threes, we got to come up with a new solution. We got to find another way to score the basket. And that's just not happening. We don't have the pieces to do it. Or is that what you're telling me? Are the players not good enough or is the coach not good enough? It's got to be one or it's got to be a combination of both. And, you know, there's a reason why we're, we're not in the top three or four of this conference. Do we not have the good enough players? If you're telling me the answer to that is yes, then who brought these players in? And that goes back to the coaches too. So, yeah. I mean, that, that may have something to do with money. You know, the recruiting and all that stuff, maybe. But that's not the answer to every question. Like, you, you know, why are we getting out-rebounded? It's not because the other guys are spending that much more on the budget. It's because maybe they're better coached or, you know, they're in the right positions, which to me, Johnny's not going anywhere this year. We can't afford to get rid of him. He's going to yeah. be – he's under contract for, what, three more years. Yeah. But next year – is a young team. We're losing a lot of guys from this year. We returned 98% of our scoring this year. Next year is going to be what? 40%? Because we're losing Mayhan. We're going to lose Perry. Perry. We're gonna, Green coming back. Who knows? Probably not. Um, Bakke is gone. So, yeah. It's going to be a whole new team. And next year's team is going to be very young. And Johnny's going to get a pass because oh, there's a, it's a young team. And, and then the year after that, we're heading into the Big 12. We're looking at a stretch here where we're going to go five, six years without making the postseason and, and don't give me nit nit does not count to me uh, that nit stands for not in the tournament that, that is not yeah, a tournament nobody could, watches yeah. the nit yeah don't get don't get me wrong i i I, com I completely agree that we need to fund the program better if we expect better i understand that's a that's a very fair valid argument but i also think it's a very fair valid conversation to say why have we underachieved from an actual on the court perspective this season and it can't just be because we don't have the same resources that other teams have there's, there, there are other things that play into that. Is it a factor? Sure. But I, what's, the, what's the dollar amount where then all of a sudden it becomes Johnny's problem? Like, is it five? Is it seven million? Like, is, where's, where's the threshold where we then go, okay, anything over five million, that's Johnny's fault. Anything under five, that's our fault. Like, I think it just, you have to be able to have both sides of the conversation. I think the frustrating part about a lot of that back and forth was that people just don't want to hear it. It's just like, well, we don't have money and, and you're stupid if you don't know we don't have money. And you're stupid if you don't know. And he, poor J.P. Gilbert's asking a question that I understand it's also not very easy. But he's saying, basically, let's do women's basketball next. Like, how, how are they always overachieving, right? And I understand the money's different and how they get their money and all that other stuff, too. But to your point, larger point, teams can overcome some of these challenges to be great teams. Is it going to be every year you're going to have that? No, probably not. You're going to have your slip-off years, right? But teams can overcome some of these more – you know, institutional challenges to be successful and at least gain some consistency. And and we haven't seen that this year. We just talked about it before. You never know what you're going to game to game. I think it's a fair question to ask. I don't know that you're asking for Johnny to be fired. I'm not asking for Johnny to be fired per se, but I do think we have to not be afraid to hold them accountable for not having a team performing at the level that we expect it should be. And I guess for a fan, it's frustrating to hear others go, well, you know what? It's well, I, we didn't expect to win anyway, so no big deal. 
of 16 <laughs> and nine. That's a, that's a, that's a prayer considering where, where we should be at. We should really be, you know, four and 32. Like to me, that's the, I, I just don't understand that line of thinking to say we should, we're, we should be glad whether we're not, you know, 15 and 10 versus 16 and nine. I don't understand that line of thinking. Yeah, I don't get it either. And to me, basketball is the one sport where you can change things around in one, two players, you give me two superstar players, that's 40% of the guys on the court. That makes a huge difference. You're not going to do that in football. One guy, two guys is not going to make a huge difference. But in basketball, it does. And, you know, you can change everything. And you're talking about other schools overachieving. I watched Florida Gulf Coast go to what? An Elite Eight one year? Mm. That's all. A flash in the pan, maybe, yeah. But we haven't even had that. You know, we, we got to the tour. We were almost there. That, that tip goes in against Duke. And we get to the Sweet 16, you know, it does change everything. But we lost. You know, it is what it is. We, we can't just live on, hey, we were a hair away from beating Duke. We didn't beat Duke. If we did, we we're probably not having this conversation. You know what? You won't even bring this up about Johnny probably for another two years. But that conversation will come down the road. Eventually it comes. Once yeah. the team goes years without doing it again, it, it's going to come back. So. We'll yeah, I just think we, we have to have a full, a, a double, a, a double-sided conversation, right? It can't just be, well, we don't have money, and it can't just be fire Dawkins. Because I, I, I think on the other side, Mike, there are some people who are just like, hey, no matter what, fire Dawkins, right? It's the same thing oh, as yeah. Daryl White. He drops a pass, fire Daryl White, right? It's like we miss a three-point shot, ah, Dawkins, get him out of here, right? It can't be that either, right? I completely agree that the, on that side of the extreme is also not right. When they side of the extreme of saying, well, hey. You know what? An extra million dollars makes a softer rim, and the ball goes in. Well, maybe, right? But it's it's got to be in the middle. And I think you you're doing a disservice if you can't look at the holistic thing and say, okay, there are some things we need to do from an infrastructure standpoint to get better. But we've underachieved from an execution standpoint. And if that means we have to revamp the coaching staff, if that means we have to go to Johnny and say, look, you've got to change this thing up a little bit. I don't know what that means, how you do that, but I think you have to have those conversations and. I don't know. Like, I feel like if I went to my boss and said, Hey man, I know my performance isn't great, but if I just had like another million dollars, I'd be a whole lot better. Like sometimes it's a results driven business and you have to get the results. And, and yes, there are reasons why results are how they are, but you don't get to just skate ownership of those results. Right. I think you have to own those and figure out, can we do something differently here? And to just shut down that conversation, I think you're, you're actually doing the program a bigger, a bitter disservice because you're just basically saying, well, we can't compete till we get money. So, no, no, but why, why bother coming here, recruit? Because we don't have any money. So, you know, don't, don't bother coming to you and say, well, we're broke. So go to Wichita because they have more money than we do. Like, I think we're almost doing more of a disservice that way by not being able to have a, a holistic conversation about the whole entire thing. Yeah, to me, the money thing is, is just an overblown excuse, really. And, um, you know, Johnny, he, he's going to be here for the next couple of years and is really out of our hands because of the money. I, I get that. But – where is this team getting better? That's what I want to know. What, what is he doing to make this team better? I'm just not seeing it. As the season's gone on and as the years have gone on, this team, to me, has not. But the guy we're about to speak to was here playing for us 10 years ago. To me, those teams were better than this team we're seeing this year. You know, the, the teams yeah. with Jordan and Clanton and Sykes and Ramsa, I'd put that team on the court tonight against our team this year, and I think that team wins by 10. And it's because they can score different ways. Clanton would beat these guys up inside. Yes. Jordan will take the ball to the hoop. That team was a good free throw shooting team too. Uh, Sykes could could drive. Ramsa can shoot. There was a little bit of everything. That's what this team is missing. It's just if the three's not open, we've got nothing. And that's because gets frustrating as a fan to watch where you have one thing and, and, hey, you can have a great night like we did against Michigan. And that was a fun game. But these other games, it's hard to watch after a while. 
I, I, the only thing I will offer is roster construction is a challenge at times. I think both Perry and Mahan came back for their super senior year when, when they weren't expected to. So maybe that threw off some of Johnny's plans. And cause really you have a lot, you have three guys in Perry, Mahan and green who are kind of the same player, right? They, they really need the jump shot. They need to, they need to shoot the three. They need to, they're volume shooters. Uh, and so you have three guys who are kind of the same player. Um, and I think that's also probably impacted Isaiah Adams, right? Because that's the system. That's the style. You're not able to hoist a three. If you're CJ Walker, Isaiah Adams, you don't really fit in that, in that style. So, but to your point, that's coaching, right? You could, you could coach that differently. You could, you could scheme that differently. So maybe roster construction next year is different with Ty Freeman getting minutes. We're bringing the Hendricks kid in from uh, Fort Lauderdale. He's a five-star kid, right? I don't, Jamil Reynolds, does he, you know, does he improve? Does Isaiah Adams even stick around? Um, you know, what, what happens with, you know, some of the other guys Is Tony Johnson gone forever. No one really knows what happened there. Um, so, you know, you've got some options there, but maybe roster construction is the only thing I'll give you. But again, you could scheme around that if you really, really want. Yeah. Isaiah Adams has been, it was a Mr. Florida basketball player, had a, a pretty good year last year. I saw a lot of promising things this year is having a terrible season. Is that coaching? Is that something else going on with this kid? Who knows? But to me, the market will tell you how good your coach is. And if your coach is good and if your coach is really overachieving and doing more with his budget than he should be doing, schools will be coming after this guy. They'd have 10 schools lined up, steal, and Johnny would be gone because they'd be able to pay him a lot more than we could. But nobody's coming after him. You know the one year that people were mentioning him for jobs and, and maybe, I think it was Purdue that was coming after him? It was, it was uh, the year Vanderbilt. after we went to the tournament. And, yeah, we, and we won a game and we looked good. After that, Nobody's come knocking anymore. And if the, he was really overachieving and doing what he, everybody says that he's doing, he'd be gone by now. Well, I saw somebody say something to the effect that his name was mentioned for the Duke opening, which, okay, and, and, and obviously Duke is a, an elite basketball program, right? Um, and, and, and his name should be mentioned because he was obviously a, a coach there. But what does it tell you that it went to a kid who's never coached a single college basketball game in his life in John Shire, right? I mean, you could have had that experience. You could have had all that figured out, but... Obviously, it doesn't go that way, Mike. But really quickly, though, before we get to our, our next guest here, um, baseball this weekend was on fire. A combined 46-2 to route over Siena. Uh, obviously, a sweet 3-0, and Mike. Um, some guys here that stand out to me, McCabe, two home runs, six RBIs. Joseph with a grand slam, six RBIs. Litchfield, Stein, and Patterson all got the win in the start. It was just a complete beatdown of Siena. I don't know how good Siena is, Mike, but if we can play this well, or at least halfway this well – It'll be a nice little season for UCF baseball. Yeah, Siena is our opening week in doormats, and they have been for a very long time. But, you know, the way we beat them so convincingly is a good sign. It, it's one thing to go 3-0 and against them, and you squeak out a 5-3 win and an 8-7, you know, back-and-forth game. These were total domination games, which is great to see. Pitching, the, the hitting was on. Everything was clicking this weekend. That's a very good thing seeing. Um, I, this team... Like I said, in years where you're not expecting much, they seem to overachieve. In years when you think something's going to happen, they don't look so good. It's early. It's a good start. Let's see if they can keep it going. I, I like what I'm seeing so far of the baseball. This is UCF head football coach Gus Malzahn, and you're listening to the Future of UCF podcasting with Adam and Mike on the Sons of UCF. Boom. Well, Mike, you know what else is not a bad pick for everybody out there? We're going to tell you a little bit more. I got the official script right here, Mike. We're going to tell you more about Manscaped because support for our show now is brought to you by Manscaped. By the way, the best in men's below-the-waist grooming of the world, precision engineer tools, Mike. They help your family jewels. They've launched their fourth-generation trimmer. What's it called, Mike? 
It's the lawnmower, right? 4.0, right? You want to make sure that you get in on this exclusive offer. Over 4 million people have already done that, Mike. Go to manscaped.com backslash sons of UCF and 20% comes off your bill. It's, it's, a, it's, a no, it's, a, it's a no-brainer. I don't know why people aren't doing more of this. Yeah, and I don't know what you guys are using right now. You're probably using the same old razor you've been using for the last 10 years, 12 years. Get rid of that. I was doing the same thing. Uh, there's no comparison. When you switch over to Manscaped, this thing is like, it, it's 10 times better than whatever you're using right now, I guarantee. Or at least it's 4.0 times better. Because this thing, oh, this thing <laughs> is the real deal, man. You're not going to have to worry about injuring yourself. You know, you could take it in the shower if you want. It works in there. Uh, it's got the light on it that I mentioned a few times. The thing's great. Get it now because it's already getting, you're past Valentine's Day. Uh, you got St. Patrick's Day coming up next. That's the next big holiday. I'm sure you've got some birthday coming up. Um, you know, they make a great gift no matter what the occasion is. So uh, get on there now. Put in Sons of UCF code and saves 20%. Nothing says Saint uh, Saint Patrick's Day like shaving your balls. Like I mean, it's a it's a natural <laughs> it's a natural combination. Again, this thing is sleek too. By the way, it's got wireless charging. It's got guards on there. So if you want to play with the length, I guess if you're going to put a shamrock down there, you have the option to do that. Just be careful. You're not going to cut yourself. Just be careful if you're new at this. We don't want you to hurt yourself, Mike. And here's the other fun thing: they don't just have ball trimmer there. They have a whole line of products. They have deodorants. They have sprays. They have this nose hair trimmer. They sent you and I a nose hair trimmer, right? I, I've got to, I've got a new job, so I've got to meet a lot of people these days. And the other day, I'm in there. I'm in there. I'm looking at this thing. I'm like, yeah, I should take a look at it. I'm like, oh my god, I've got like 35 nose hairs. I got to meet people. I can't have nose hair everywhere. No Nose hair trimmer up there. This thing is fantastic. Snip, 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 snip. Nose hair is all gone. Whatever you need. The travel bag is nice. They've got a lot of good stuff. It's not just the ball trimmer, which, by the way, the 4.0 is it's top of the line. You're going to want to do that. But whatever you need, whatever your needs are, if you're not in the ball trimmer thing right now and you're a little reluctant, that's fine. We get it. Trust us. It works, though. But if you're not into that, there's there's so much out there. Like, go to manscaped.com. Sons of UCF your promo code. And whatever you get, 20% off. That's, that's it. It's magic. 20% off Sons of UCF. Boom. The nose trimmer is called the weed racker, I believe. That's right? correct. Yes, it is. Yeah. And, and ear hair. For something, when you get to your 40s, for some reason, I'm growing more little hairs on my ear than I've ever seen in my life. That thing is gone in two seconds. You got to take advantage of this thing. Uh, our guest this week, a super nice guy, because he got up early to talk to us. He is he is not in the uh, in, in the country, so he had to adjust the schedule to join us. And uh, I'm so glad he did because he was one of the best to ever put on a UCF Knights uniform. It is former UCF Knights basketball player, Mr. Isaiah Sykes, is with us. Isaiah, first off, man, we can't thank you enough. I know you got up early to chat with us today. Thanks so much yeah. for taking the time to join us. I appreciate y'all, man. Zeke. Well, let's Let's start here. Um, how how does a kid from Detroit end up all the way in Orlando playing basketball? How did you end up at UCF? Uh, kind of uh, Michigan and Michigan State kind of blew they uh they chance. You know, it was just you know the big basketball talk, and you know I visited their schools, and um, you know it was just something I was like. With Orlando, I was like, you know, I want to go down there and see how it is. And the, the moment I stepped on the um, campus and, you know, seeing the vibes and the palm trees and right off the flight, I'm like, yo, this is different. <laughs> and then once I met the guys, Keith Clan and all them, they were cool. And, you know, they just embraced me and it, it just felt like home. So it was just like, you know, I was like. Like everybody back home was like Michigan, Michigan State. I'm like, nah. 
UCF is where it's at. I was like, I haven't seen anything like that, like far as campus and, you know, just the people and how the fans embraced and loved the athletes there. You came in an interesting time, too, because you were in between um, Kirk Spira and Donnie Jones, correct? So who who was kind of like your main recruiter? How did that staff shakeup impact kind of your time going to UCF? Uh, it was uh, Coach Jones. You know, uh, he came to a, a few of my um, games in Detroit. So, you know, that really meant a lot, you know, uh, coming from, you know, they had previously just offered me. He came to a playoff game and we ended up winning and going – winning by like 30 against one of the top number one teams and so it was it was real good you know he showed a lot of love we talk a lot about actually mike and i were talking before you came on about the the current state of ucf's basketball program we'll get to that in a second but what about the facilities i mean obviously michigan michigan state those are blue blood programs right they got locker rooms for locker rooms right they have three guys to like one stall and and everyone's helping everybody out what were the facilities like at ucf compared to maybe what you saw in other visits uh, they were they were dope, you know. Uh, I always seen that's what that's the thing about me. I always seen the vision of where UCF could be because I think at the time they were changing from Adidas and going to Nike. So you know, like uh, that's how shout great. Out, my, shout out Marcus Jordan for that, right? Yeah, like that's how great the visit was. Like I didn't even know. Like when I got there, I'm like, we we with Adidas, like you know, like I didn't know any of that, but. I just it just felt like home and it was a great place like you know with people you can trust and you know the usual uh when you go on these uh visits they embracing you but you can tell this like uh they putting on a show it just it just felt natural i like that players was like you know themselves and weren't trying to overdo it and make me feel welcome like that so your first year is gets off to an interesting start we we're opening up a brand new arena in Orlando. We play the Gators, and we end up beating them. What do you remember about that game and how we were able to take a, the win that night? Oh man, that was that was probably one of the most fun games. You know, having the vets and the team that we had that year. Uh, I think we all pretty much felt the same disrespected coming out. You know, they put all our fans in the nosebleed, and you know, all the Florida fans were down on the seat so once we seen that coming out the tunnel like we all came together and we like yo like coach jones came from this school we knew like both teams ran the same plays it would just come down to who wanted most and you know we like what do we got to lose you know what i'm saying like they don't even expect us to win and you know we we put on the show everybody showed up chipped in and did what they had to do yeah it was a big win and that whole beginning of that season, we started out 14-0. and 0, We were rolling. Every, what was clicking with that team? There was no stopping us early on. I think it was just the bond with the team. And uh, uh, we both, everybody that summer did summer A and B. So it kind of, like, helped us. You know, we had a, a lot of work we put in together, like, over the summer. And bonded. It was just like a family, like a brother's. So... You can't ask for more than that when you get, you know, everybody to come summer A and B. Well, then things took an interesting turn, I say, because then we lost nine of our next 11. Um, obviously, you're a freshman, right? you're away from home. You had a lot of success early on. Then things kind of go bad. What was kind of going through your mind? What kind of emotions were you having? You're on the high of highs beating Florida 14-0, and all of a sudden the kind of the bottom drops out. How would you handle that? Uh, it was a great learning experience, you know, of uh... – 
just coming to college and, you know, learning to deal with adversity. Because a lot of those games, it was like one, two points, and then, you know, maybe five points. And games you look at, maybe one, two mistakes or turnovers that could have changed the game. So uh, it was great for us because every guy approached the game, nobody got down on each other. It actually helped us, like, come together even more because, you know, it was like us against the world. Like, everybody praised us. And then, you know, us losing those games, they like, oh, have one game in months. And, you know, we just stayed together and stayed the course. How about Coach uh, Jones? We, we Obviously, we, we talk a lot about those teams, but tell us a little bit more about, about, about Donnie Jones. What kind of coach was he? What kind of motivator was he? What kind of guy was he to, to, to play for um, day in and day out? Uh, coach Jones was a great coach, man. He uh, definitely a motivator and, you know, definitely a uh, – guy with a lot of kindness and cared about his players you know each one you know like uh he always like even now like you know if i need advice for him or you know a lot of the guys we we still talk to him to this day and you know he just checks on us and we check on him and uh he was just always that guy to give you that opportunity you know that a lot of coaches probably wouldn't give and stuff like that so the next year we actually start against uh, we beat UConn in mm -hmm. Bahamas and that's a big win. I mean they were ranked number four at the time. What do you remember going into that game and coming away with the victory that night? Uh, we just you know came out and everybody was you know that Chicago connection and then you know me being from Detroit and then the Orlando like you know we we put a lot of time in and. I think overall that season, like, we just all felt like, you know, we had something to prove and, like, to let the world know, like, we could play with the best of the best as long as we stick together and control what we can control. You personally got off to a great start that season. I think you were putting up 15 points basically every game. Was there a big difference? Did the game slow down for you? Were you just more confident in your second year? Uh, yeah, I was more confident, and then it was just a role, you know, a uh, different role. You know, uh, the coaches understood that uh, I could do more and I can handle, you know, because my first year, you know, they we had a lot of seniors and juniors. So, you know, Isaac Sosa, great player, you know, uh, Tyler, you know, Taylor Young. You had a bunch of great guys, and it's like you're not about to come in and just, you know, take those guys' spot. They They made you earn it, so. You know, like me, I took that uh, defensive role because a lot of people when I first got to UCF, they didn't know I could score the ball like that or play. But, you know, when I came in, you know, uh, Coach Jones was like, man, we need somebody to go check the best player every night. And, you know, at the time I wasn't playing a lot of minutes and I'm like, I'm like, this is an opportunity for me to get on the floor. Like, I got to show them, like, you know, I can, I can go out there, I'll guard anybody in. Once that happened, you know, more minutes started to come, more confidence, you know, more shots, and just the team trusting you even more. You feel better after a big defensive stop, sometimes maybe a big block or a steal than actually dunking on somebody? Yeah, yeah, that's one of the things, like, in Detroit, we take pride with that, you know. Uh, you definitely, like, it's a great feeling when you come out and, you know, a dude average 30 or they got him going first round and, you can hold him to, you know, 15 points and he averages 25 and 30. So, like, it's a great feeling just to know and see, like, you know, a lot of people didn't know, like, 
I wasn't known for defense, like, coming out. Like, I had defense, but, like, to check the best player, that's something I always did personally. But that uh, over that summer, like, I knew, like, I was like, okay, this is what, you know, going to get me on the court. So, you know, I, I checked Marcus Jordan, you know, every day at pickup. Like, it was to the point where he, like, yo, man, you ain't got to check me every day. Like, uh, we, we going, I'm like. I'm like, nah, you you the best here. So, you know, I was like, this is the way I'm going to get better on defense. So he kind of helped me a lot, like guard him every day in practice. And then, you know, the versatile guys like Dave Diakite, and then checking Keith Clinton some. It just it just showed the coach the game more trust in me and let him know, like, I'll guard a big or whatever, whatever the team need at that time I was willing to do. Zeke, with college basketball the way it is today, do you think guys still have that mentality? It feels like now it's run and gun, shoot the three. Do you think there are guys who – is that a lost art, a guy who says to the coach, give me the best player? Or do you think college basketball has kind of morphed into guys want to shoot, guys want to score? Yeah, I think uh, that's that's one of the things I like to see guys do. Mainly at UCF, you know, like the team they got this year, you know, they very versatile, you know, from point guard to center. I just want to see them take the next step. And, you know, uh, I want to see somebody come out with that pride and just, you know, be like, hey, we're going to lock up. Because they they also one of the best defensive teams in the conference, but I feel like they can do more. You know, I, I would like to see them, you know, go into a 2-2-1 press or a 1-2-2 press. You know, I think it would disrupt a lot of teams and take them out their rhythm. Yeah. Well, getting back to that season, I got to ask you, you had a, uh, I'll call it an interaction with the uh, head coach of Marshall. Obviously, it got blown out of proportion, right? You, videos are still out there. The, the guy had like a mini heart attack on the sideline, but he actually didn't have a heart attack. From your perspective, what the hell happened? Like, what? Take us back to what you saw, what you experienced, because we know what he saw. We know kind of how he reacted. What did you see? How did you react to that? It was just a BS play. A coach that's willing to do anything to win. Because you know, we 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 go back and. You could clearly see on the film, like I, I was nowhere near him. But at the time, like when he talked to me, he was like, you know, after the game when they did it, he was like, "Hey, I, it just, I don't know what happened. It just came to me. I, I wanted to win so bad, you know. And I know how it is when you got that adrenaline, adrenaline in you, and the game's going on. You like, you do whatever. When I seen it, I'm like, yo, this can't be real, like. <laughs> I was like, this is crazy. But at the end of the day, it helped them get the win. And, you know, the, it, it was upon the referees to handle that. But, you know, it worked in his favor. I mean, that video still pops up every now and again, right? Every every year or so, someone breaks that thing out. Does, that, does it bother you to see it? Do you just laugh at it now? Like, how, how do you react when, when someone brings that back up to you? Uh, it always just bring that chuckle, man. Like, even now, I think, like, last week somebody, like, reposted or tagged me in it. and i'm like i just laugh i'm like yo this was years ago and like i just sit there and think about it like you know i'm in a locker room I'm like hey we lost because of me you know <laughs> like <laughs> off a, a call that you know everybody can clearly see like the coach didn't do and i'm not sure anything happened to him like i'm not sure if he got suspended for next he game did. but he did not he, no, did. he did not nope yeah that that was just crazy to me but you know I think the NCAA improved, you know, with the monitors and cameras, and I don't think anybody would get away with that. 
I think my favorite video of that one is when they put the Sanford and Son music with it and he's having a heart attack. I'm coming. <laughs> yeah. And it was crazy because when we played them at home, I think the crowd was like, they was chanting something every time he like would do something or like act like they fainted or something. So it was very funny, man. It was just always a time, like, especially when we played them at home, it was like the entire game, I'm like trying not to laugh in my head, like, Yo, this is funny, man. Like <laughs> that season, we was a pretty good season. We go twenty-one and nine regular season. We get to the uh, conference tournament. We win a game, and then we lose to Memphis. But at that point, twenty-two and ten, you thinking maybe we have a shot to get invited to the Big Dance? Uh, I think we should have had that shot, man. Like uh, Memphis is very talented that year, but I think the season that we had, we should have had that opportunity to get in there, but. UCF was still establishing themselves and, you know, showing the world more like that they, they have great athletes. And at that time, I think all our programs were like going to up and coming and like getting better every year. So I think the, uh, they, we kind of got overlooked and, you know what I'm saying? Like it happens, but, you know. So they send just, us to the NIT. Is there a little disappointment in the team? I mean, we lose the first round. Is it? Is it kind of half, you know, we don't really want to be here. We should be in another tournament or is it just, we just got beat by a better team? Yeah, it was, it was, it was a disappointment. And, you know, like it was just like at that time, a lot of the guys, you know, we, we didn't even like know what the NIT was. And I'm like, we all like, man, we just worked as hard and we like, we going, what's the NIT, and, you know? And I think we should have just approached it better and, you know, appreciate it. Like, you know, we got to play uh, post-play. But, you know, we was looking to, for going for the big win and steady trying to change the culture there. So when you lose the NIT game, do you does it piss you off to where it, it motivates you for next year or is it just kind of another extra game that you didn't really think about? How did it affect you preparing for the next year? Uh, kind of like every loss makes me mad, but a lot of the guys like it really didn't uh, affect because you know you put all that energy and focus to want to play in the um tournament. You know that's every kid's dream, every college athlete's dream, and you know you don't get that. But you know I think a lot of guys sleep on the NIT because it it was a lot of talent in there. You know talented teams, so it's it's a great tournament to uh participate in but you know a lot of people main focus is like you know the tournament that's where you get noticed and can get a big opportunity well before you can even tip off the next season uh news breaks that ucf is not going to be eligible for conference play uh for tournament play that year obviously things outside of your control you as a player have nothing to do with any of that stuff right but obviously sanctions come down how did you guys find out about that was that something you guys knew about? And then what was the reaction when you realized that, hey, we're not going to be able to get to one of our goals this year through no fault of your own? Yeah, I think we uh, – they told us a few games in, and um, a lot of players were, like, pissed because, you know, <laughs> you, like, basically, like, this season, like, every team we play, you know, they're going to basically get the win and stuff like that. And, you know, we can't play. We're not playing for anything, so – I. Actually, I think that was one of the most special uh, seasons to know you going out there with your teammates that every night and, you know, working hard, trying to still win and, you know, try to still stay together and stay positive, knowing that you're not going to be able to play in the tournament and 
you know, so that was a big brotherhood moment for all of us. Well, yeah, you guys lost a lot of talent from from the year prior too. But you, again, as Mike said earlier, you stepped up your game big time. Uh, you were averaging over 16 points a game. And something rare, you very rarely see this, at least today in college basketball. You actually, you had one, not one, but two triple doubles that season, right? Which is not something you see a ton in, in college basketball. What, 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 what kind of, what, I guess, what about your game gave you that versatility? Was that something that you were just like, I got to do whatever I can to help my team out? Were you aware that you were close to triple doubles in those games? Was that a goal of yours? Like walk uh, us through kind of the, the, the experience of knowing you're, you're kind of right on that doorstep. No, that's, that's the thing. Like I, I would never know, like I was right there to just be like, every time I stepped on the court, you know, we had such great friend fans that um from UCF that supported him. Like, you know, in Detroit is, it's not a lot of that support growing up, you know, you would get it from your high school, but like, you know, the UCF fans showed a lot of love. So, like, my thing was, you know, every night I wanted to go out and play my hardest and do whatever I can. And just over those little few years, like, of learning, you know, coach telling me, you know, because you got to think, my, my freshman year, I barely even took shots. My mm -hmm. role was just to strictly – I had no plays in the offense. My role was just to strictly come in, shut whoever the coach tell me to shut down and you know, a thing of mine came to me. I'm like, look, this this rebound, I was like, I can get any rebound and come off the rim. I, I used to actually go in a gym and practice. Like, I have people shoot and just miss, and I go in the gym and grab the rebound, get it up quick, and, you know, just work, work on getting offensive tips and stuff like that. So it kind of helped me uh, overall. And then towards that time, I started putting everything together. Like, I always been able to pass and, uh, rebound and now like I was scoring so it was just a mix of everything what's the hardest one to to get is it, is it the 10 assists is that sort of the hard uh, mark to get past yeah that was that was kind of the hardest mark you know uh coming off you know you uh it's kind of tough you know defense back then you know it was gritty you know guys in your face you know it, it was different like you know like now in college I feel like college basketball is turning into more entertainment like you mm -hmm. know you don't see guys you know pre pressuring effortlessly and you know you playing in college basketball and you playing a team like within five to six minutes like you should be tired of you out there giving your all like i know when we was playing and we was running the press you know everybody knew like three to four minutes we was getting that sub so you know you can go all out and you know, just do your best with the nose minutes. But, you know, college basketball is, is to me, is more entertainment. And, you know, that's what I would like to see from the uh, UCF team that we have now. Like, you know, because I feel like they too versatile. Like they got the wing, the big wings, the big guard shooters. And we just lean on the three a little much. So that year, your first team all-conference USA – you know, we mentioned the triple doubles. You have a decision to make afterwards. You declare for the draft, but then you end up coming back to UCF. Tell us a little bit about that whole decision process you went through. Uh, it was tough. You know, I was a guy, you know, I, I promised my mom, you know, I would get my degree. You know, she always wanted that from me, and, and, and I wanted that for myself. And then, uh, you know, pro basketball, the more – the higher you go, you realize, you know, you like 
thing is different from college. You know, college, you have that brotherhood and, you know, teammates together and you're doing things and you're learning with your brothers. And, you know, once I went, when I went in the draft thing, it was like every man for himself. Like, it kind of like, I just like, ah, you know, I, I would love to enjoy my, my, the rest of my year, you know, with UCF and finish strong and, you know, do all four. I like finishing things, but the business sides were kind of different, you know, coming out. You like, you will see teammates only at practice, you know, like uh, the Sixers when, um, before, when I went to the A camp uh, thing, it was just like, you would never see the guys. It was like, eat, sleep, hotel see the guys at practice and you like you come from college you like yo where's the brotherhood like we gonna hang out and like at that time i know in philly it was like it was kind of like not what i expected you know like uh they you were practice the gym was like literally next to the hotel and it was like they didn't want you to even go out like you had to order room service and i'm just like i kind of was like bored with it like Okay, I love practicing. I love grinding, but you know, I can I can't go outside and like you know, I knew people from Philly and stuff like that. So it was it was kind of difficult. It was like the bubble before the bubble. <laughs> <laughs> so when you decide to actually come back, how much is making the tournament? Is your last year? You know, this is going to be it at UCF. It's something you re you mentioned. It's every kid's dream. How much did that factor in to say, hey, I got to come back. I got to try to get this done for UCF while I'm here. Oh, that played a big role, man. That's just something you want, you know. Uh, I think we had the guys that do it. I think it just took us, uh, those guys, to get to that moment. If we would have locked in, uh, like, months before together, because it was like an eye-opener. It was like, win or go home, you know what I'm saying, like, so a lot of guys wasn't appreciating the moment, you know, until it came to it. They like, yo, this could be my last college basketball. And I'm like, you know, you should approach that like the game like that each and every day because you never know when it's your last game. But like once they seen like we started clicking in the tournament, like playing and get wins, like we knew we could be any team on any given night. We just had to come together. But. Once that pressure was like, yo, this could be our last college game, especially for the seniors, it took our play to another level. Well, that season starts a little rocky. You guys lose at FAU, then you lose at Valparaiso. But you come back, you rebound, you win five in a row, and then you lose 12 of the next 14. I know you'd mm -hmm. gone through a losing streak early in your career, like you said, as a freshman, but you said you learned and you grew and you, you kind of got a lot out of that. Well, now you're mm -hmm. a senior and you know this is your, your last ride. How was that different? Obviously, how, how take us through the emotions you were feeling when you realized your time was coming to an end and, and you guys were continuing just unfortunately not be able to close out games. Uh, it was actually like even though we was losing, I think we was it was it was a factor of you know showing the seniors that basketball is more more than just you. You know what I'm saying, like. I always knew that, and, like, it, it kind of brought us together, like I said in the beginning, but it was a learning experience from a different after. Now we're the seniors, and, you know, we're playing all the minutes. So it turned into, you know, those guys like Matt Williams, Daquan, and um, the rest of the guys to just, like, see how we handle it under pressure, you know. Like, a lot of them, 
you know, they would catch me in the gym 3 a.m. in the morning. And they like, you know, what you doing? I'm like, you got to set the tone. Like, towards that time, I started thinking, I'm like, yo, we got to show these guys the ropes. And, you know, we might not can be great this season, but we can show them and prepare them for next season and, you know, just change the culture, like help embrace it. Well, you already talked about how much you love playing college basketball, how much you love playing with your teammates, how much you love UCF. What was that moment like when you realized you had to take off that jersey for the last time? Oh, it was difficult. It was a lot of emotions running through. You know, you you sit there and all those memories and experiences run through your mind in a glimpse of a moment. And, you know, you just hang in tight. But at the end of the day, like, you know, I, I, I went my hardest. I know I put the work in and, you know, I got better each and every year, you know. And a lot of people didn't expect me to do that. You know, to them, it was like, it was like, how, how is you getting better and improving and different areas? But for me, those were goals. Like, you know, one every summer I was like, okay, I, I, I didn't do this last season. I'm going to work on this ball handling, you know even shooting and stuff like that. So it all just kind of came down and, you know, you like, dang, man, I, I like, I miss, I'm going to miss this place. You know, I'm, I'm moving down there probably this summer, you awesome. know, so, but a lot of the guys already moved down there. That's, that's how you know how special that place is. Like the white crit, you know, uh, it's, it's plenty of more Stefan Blair live down there now. So, you know, they link up and they like, yo, you might as well come and stuff like that. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be on my way. <laughs> so you mentioned your time with the Pistons. After that, you decided to go overseas to start playing. How nervous were you to go to a completely different country to go play basketball? Uh, I wasn't nervous, actually. You know, uh, in my high school, we uh, I mean, my middle school and high school, like, I played for the Michigan Hurricanes. And we kind of like travel every week you know we was going to tournaments where it's long distance short distance so i, I was kind of used to being a, uh alone in a way and stuff like that and you know just always on the road so it was a great experience you know it helped me step out of my comfort zone and you know like embracing different cultures and you know just seeing the different side of the game because you know you go to these countries and it's like they they all have their own different styles of play. So once you go there, it's like you got to adjust, like, on a quick or they'll send you home, like, you know what I'm saying? And just being able to do that, you know, you can go in different countries and adjust and, you know, embrace their culture and, you know, you get to learn and travel. You know, that's one of the things I love. You know, my daughter, she visited numerous countries and, you know, for the first time when she came to Italy and, you know, my next door neighbor was a kid playing soccer and he talking in Italian. She like, dad, what is he saying? I don't understand what he's saying. Like, <laughs> And he was asking her to play soccer. And, you know, just that little experience, she like, dad, why, why is it, you know, dark here and it's, it's morning time back home? And, you know, just explaining to her and her getting to see that, that's something I, you know, didn't get to do as a kid. Like, leaving the country and stuff like that, getting to see different shades of it. You've put together a nice career overseas so far. It's been a while now. Where are you at now? I'm actually in Kuwait. And it's crazy because uh, me and Stefan Blair is actually on the same team. Hmm. 
don't ask me how we uh came up and negotiated with that but you know uh so he he was here and uh i was about to go to argentina and then he uh like hit me up like the team needed a guard and uh and i'm like me and him have talked about it previously he like man i I want to just play with you again. It was fun playing with you and stuff like that. So, you know, I had told him, I was like, if the money's right, the situation is right, you know. So I came over. We actually, uh, we've been 6-0 and since, uh, I think we in maybe third place, tied for third place, and we start the playoffs. Uh, we actually just played tonight. We won sort of by like 50. Sort of by like 50? Wow. <laughs> yeah, so... <laughs> That's that's a great, great feeling, you know, to play with your brother. And, you know, we sit and laugh because teams would be like, yo, y'all play so well together. And I'm like, yeah, we went to college together. Like the first day I came in, they like, how do you know where he like his spots and, you know, throwing them lobs and, you know, his mid range. And he actually improved on shooting the three as well. So, you know, it's been fun. A lot of people, when they hear Kuwait, I don't think they think basketball right away. How? How do you like living there? Is it been a, a bit of an adjustment or everything's okay over there? No, it's actually dope, though. They have a lot of um, American restaurants. It's, it just feels like America. You know, they have a lot of sightseeing. You know, we stay right off the beach. And, you know, it, it, man, it was like when I seen them, I'm like, yo, this, this is pretty dope. Like, I'm like, it feels like a vacation uh, place. And it's kind of expensive here, too, you know. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, yeah? <laughs> um, yeah i enjoy it you know i've just been going around you know enjoying it seeing different things and you know just embracing it but you said you won by 50 tonight how, how many did you uh what'd you go for tonight i'll probably it's crazy because when he was just talking about assists i probably like, i had uh 15 and like 20 assists <laughs> quick little 15 and wow. 20 assists <laughs> Yeah. So, what's that? and what's that's that and that's uh, I I didn't I don't even think I played maybe two minutes of the fourth quarter. What's the competition level like over there? Is it is it similar to what you maybe used to playing college balls? A little bit, uh, you know, a step above that. Where, what's the competition like? There's just uh, it's probably more physical defense, and you know the competition is great. You know, you have uh, great Americans that you know went to great college like. Uh, it's players that went to North Carolina, like far as Americans and stuff like that. So it's it's crazy because you would think, you know, we all just sit there and we, we'd talk and go out with the Americans and we like, and you ever thought you would like end up over here? You know, you get to see it because a lot of players that I know that's in the NBA, when they come like, you know, overseas, they think it's like going to be easy, but you know, overseas play, I could definitely give them that. They play harder defense than, than the NBA. Like, there's no breaks. Like, they one through five can shoot. And, you know, they if you're not playing D, they, they sending you home. It's just as simple as that. Like, they not buying it. So, you got to come out and, you know, you playing for money now and stuff like that. So, you know, because I, I just seen a couple guys that, average 20 25 in the league and then they come over here and they averaging like 12 15 points and they like yo they don't give up on no plays like you get a fast break they trying to follow you on the ground you know not no dirty plays or something like that but the hustle of it is just their mentality is like defense first and you know like the nba they play defense but 
you know, as you can see, like when Team USA came over and played like yeah. earlier on, you know, not having that defense of three seconds is a big difference when you got, you know, you got to beat your man and you know help is coming. Then you got a seven footer or maybe two, you know, in the paint just waiting for you. So now you got to finish, learn how to finish over them. It's, it's not so many openings. How many more years you uh, you got left? How, how much longer do you think you're going to play for? Uh, I'll probably say a good maybe four, you know. They, they be trying to push it. A lot of teams, they want you to play to you like 37. But, you know, I want to enjoy, you know, my time and, you know, spend more time with my daughter. You know, that's one of the things. Like, she comes over. But when she has school, it's like it's hard because it's like now nah, she got to go to school. You know, she if she get a week off, you know, maybe I can get her over here. Or, you know, that depends on if she like not tired or have plans with her friends back home. So it's like it'd be tough. As long as somebody's willing to pay you to do something you love. I mean, I say do it as long as possible. Man. Yeah, that's what that's the thing. I know there's some players over here that's 40 and, you know, they making 15 to 20,000 a month. Like I just seen a player, he, and he can still play and he getting like 50 K a month. So, you know, the money definitely will make you, you know, stay on your grind, stay fit, you know, and just continue to grind. What about post playing? You have any, uh, any thoughts to get into, into coaching? You want to be maybe getting into scouting? What do you want to do after your playing career is over? Yeah, I said that, like, uh, on Twitter, uh, I was thinking about, like, I wanted to uh, come back to UCF and just, like, you know, like a player development, you know. Like, uh, the culture is great, but it is just too much with these young guys these days. You know, they they feel like they have it all and know it all. So, you know, like, the, I think the player development, you know, that's something I would like to do. Because uh, actually over here, like, it was crazy because, like overseas you you never know like like our coach actually is on vacation right now <laughs> and he he wasn't at the game today that's how different it is over here he like so you know i i actually like ran the practice like they he he let me cuz he know like i want to do like player development so like they help you as you help them and he like he let me run the practice for the uh, last two days and stuff like that and it was just a great experience, you know, to see, like, they would let me do something like that. And, you know, my teammates was like, hey, we want you to coach. I'm like, hey, I'm still a player. Like, I'm on this team. Like, I'm, <laughs> I got to get paid, too, you know what I'm saying, and stuff like that. Like, But they embraced it and, you know, allowed me to get that opportunity, you know. And I, I think our coach, he deserved that uh, vacation. He currently in, in London come you know so that was a different experience for me too so you always have a different experience you like he texts me like oh you, you got to make sure you win the game today and you're like i'm in london and i'm like what <laughs> i'm like we we play tonight he's like yeah the, the assistant coach is there and he was like i know you're gonna fire the guys up and keep them you know focused and stuff like that so it's just like you know it's always experience you never know over here well, you won by 50, so I don't think you actually even needed them tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, no, it was definitely, it was crazy. Our guys came out, you know, hitting shots, and we we took the energy out of them earlier in the game. And, you know, uh, Stefan Blair had a great game. 
uh, against their uh, team. So yeah, it was great to see, you know, I'm proud of him and, you know, the things that he accomplished and gotten better at. Well, you mentioned maybe coming back to UCF as a coach one day, maybe player development. Before you came on with us, Mike and I were talking about this year's team, and you mentioned a little bit earlier, 16-9 and nine overall. Hey, how often, how many games are you able to catch? I know obviously the schedule is different for you, right? How many how many UCF games have you been able to see this year? Uh, I've, I've seen a lot. Like, you know, I get to watch them. It just, you know, just like now, it would be like they'll have a game. I'll probably have to stay up to 5 in the morning. So, you know, I'll be watching it. And, you know, sometimes, like, you know, I'd be mad. I'd be like, man, I stayed up and watched it. And, you know, these guys, <laughs> I was like, you just see it in the heart. Like, they could have got that win. It'd be like one or two mistakes, you know. So, you know, they kind of feel like, like I know me and Trisha Spur, we be on them on Twitter. Like, you know, you know, we need that dub and, you know, get the win, you know, focus on the win. A lot of the, you know, you see guys, is it's about the social media, you know, all of that, you know, I'm just, I'm still a simple guy. It's just win the game, you know. Then you can do what you want after you win the game. <laughs> well, so based off what you see, what do you think is missing? Because Mike and I were talking about how the team has been relatively inconsistent this year, right? We have a really great game. Guys are playing really well. And the next game, it seems like energy is in there. It seems like effort is in there. It seems like we're giving up loose balls and rebounds. We're making some silly plays. And the next game, we shoot the lights out and things kind of get better. From what you've seen, what do you think is missing? If anything's, if you, if you had to, you know, pinpoint one or two things that you think they can maybe do better or get better at, what would you say from your expert opinion? I just think it's, it, it all comes down to accountability, accountability and leadership. You know, that's one of the things like I say on Twitter and things too. Like everybody said, we actually had a podcast not too long ago with uh, Mike O'Donnell and like a lot of the former athletes that went to UCF. And just to see somebody take that ownership and be like, hey, you know, like with me, everybody on our team knew like whether we win or lose, like mainly if we lost and we knew games, like I was willing to take that blame, you know, take the heat, you know, put it on my back and, you know, just let the team know like, hey, that's on me, you know. Like, I'm going to help us get better. And then it comes down to you, like, like I told them, I was like, how bad do y'all want it? You know, Donnie, Jock, Donnie Jockins, uh doing a great job, you know, preparing them and, you know, what they're doing. I do feel like they can do more pick and rolls. It's kind of standstill offense at times. And, you know, I like to see more ball movement and, you know, more guys be more in tune. But it comes down to the players, you know. Are you getting in the gym with your shooter, getting him exercise? That's one of the things, like, players loved about me because, you know, even when we playing, they be like, yo, you're the best player on the team, like, my senior year. But I was the same person that are going to the gym and, you know, they take Stefan Blair, be like, all right, you missed five hooks in the game today. Come on, let's get 500. And me just rebounding for him, that kind of, like, get him the confidence because he like – you are our best player. You coming in here, you rebounded for me. You care enough to get me in the gym. You know, that's that's what I like to see from them guys because you could tell who who's in the gym and who's not in the gym, you know, like from playing when you're an athlete. Like, so, you know, I, that's one of the things I want to see from that team. Like, who's going to step up, you know, like, okay, we get it. You're going to have bad games, but what else can you do? If the three not going, 
you always can do more, step up defensively, you know, get rebounds, encourage your teammates, you know. I think that's what UCF uh, got to do to take that next step. Because you can see from the women's basketball, it's yeah. strictly defense. Like, they, they don't care who about offense. They're not really focused on that. They got plays and, you know, they play. But, like, when you come out and approach defense, like, the women's basketball team, like, the sky's the limit. Like, you, you got a lot more percentage of winning games than, you know, just relying on offense because offense ain't always going to be there. Isaiah, I'm going to need you to get down to Orlando. I'm going to need you to call your namesake, Isaiah Adams, who was a Florida Mr. Basketball, great player as a freshman, had a really rough sophomore year. What would you tell a kid like that who has got all the talent in the world, big kid, strong kid, left-handed like you, He's he's a he's a good player, but he's had a, a really rough year. What would I what would Isaiah Sykes tell Isaiah Adams? Uh, I would just tell him to embrace that adversity. You know, that's one of the best things I did. Everything that you know, like reporters or like teams would say I couldn't do, I went and worked on it. I didn't complain about it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think he just got to continue to grind. You know, you know, I would like to see their team, like you know get in the weight room more, you know, like, cause I, I got to see the Memphis game and like the, the difference in, you know, the weight room from their bigs to our bigs, it was just like completely different. I'm like, cause the bigs we have, they more versatile, you know, Memphis big man, they catch the dunks and set screens, but like our guys actually are skilled. So, you know, they get that physicality. And, you know, they they can do more. You know, that's one of the things that helped me when I was in UCF, like the weight room. And I would always tell people that's what separates men amongst boys in college. Like, you know, you got to get in there. Like, How much would your team beat this tier's team by? Because I've been saying this for the last couple of weeks. I think 10 years ago, that team with you guys, you, Jordan, Clanton, Romsa, all those guys, I think you guys would school this year's team. You? Oh, yeah, no doubt, because <laughs> I I just think, you know, they're talented team. They probably was more talented, maybe, like athletic and stuff like that as far as through the roster. But I think our guys had more pride. And, you know, one of the things I do take that helped us, like, uh, I think we played Miami, and we ended up losing by 20. And – uh we came to practice and Coach Jones, like, I think they that really set us straight. Like, we could represent the university. We couldn't wear nothing with UCF until the next game. And, like, on campus, you couldn't practice in the uniform, the jerseys. And, like, I think that really set the tone of, like, pride and knowing, like, hey, you're not playing for yourself. You're playing for a school, a university. Like, we all won. And it kind of hurt a lot of people pride, like, coming in practice. But I think I, I was so mad. Like, I wore all lime green to the practice. They like, <laughs> they like, they like, why you got this guy? I'm like, they wanted us to wear simple colors. I'm like, man, I was just mad. I was like, I picked, like, all lime green and came to practice. And I was like, man, because it, it hurt me. I was like, hey, I can't put on that uniform, you know, can't put on that jersey. And, like, that's one of the things I look back on, you know, that helped us come together, you know, like having the team we have, Marcus Jordan, Keith Clinton, you know, and A.J. Romsa, and, you know, just us putting 
putting our individual goals to the side and then focus on team goals. Well, lime green's an interesting choice. That's a South Florida color. I don't know if I would have gotten ah, that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, hey, that was the thing. They was like, yo, you know those USF colors. I was like, well, I would like to wear black and gold, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, you've been really generous with your time, so we will get you out of here. We ask some random sort of rapid fire questions. Could be music, movie, sports, could be anything in between. So we got a few fun ones for you. Here's my first one for you. What's a food that you've had to eat or learn to love that you never thought you'd eat before now that you've played overseas? Um, that's tough. Um, I don't really go outside the norm. Like, I, I do a lot of cooking now. So, like, I go grocery shopping. So, I, I eat, you know, just like I eat in America, just healthy and, you know, a lot of pasta and stuff like that but it's it's been some times where they tried to get me to eat some stuff that i, I couldn't <laughs> even pronounce and you know i'm like i'm just not even taking the chance like i'm straight <laughs> so you've been traveling to a bunch of different countries what's one place you haven't been that you still want to go to uh hey that's uh probably greece i know keith clamp paid in greece and like he was showing me around and like that place is amazing. Like it's unbelievable. I saw on Twitter recently that you were uh, asking for some help to try to locate some of your old um, jerseys and you were looking for that, that, that number three pinstripe jersey, one of the more controversial jerseys in UCF history. So I need your official take on it. It was the pinstripe jersey trash or was it fly? No, it was fly to me, you know, uh, especially like, you know, you growing up, you know, I wasn't a Lando Magic fan, but I watched their games too because I liked the Penny Hardaway and Shaq. And, you know, just knowing the history with the Orlando Magic and then you like, dang, because it was kind of crazy. I'm like, I'm like, yo, can we get some retro jerseys or something? like? <laughs> and then Coach Jones and like we all came upon it with the pinstripes. I'm like, yo, that's different. Like, you know. Okay. What's your favorite basketball movie of all time? Ah, I would probably say I like the Six Man and uh, White White. Is it White Man Can't Jump? I think yeah, I, White Man Can't Jump. That's the correct that's answer. It's a classic. That's a classic. Yeah. yeah, I don't know the Six Man. Is that a newer one? Uh, no, it's actually an older one. This old. Two brothers are playing, and you know they in the college or whatever, and they go into the tournament. And one of them passes off a uh, dunk he got, and um, it's like his spirit comes back. Like his brother was praying, his spirit comes back, and you know he's talking to him, and everybody think his brother going crazy because he like they can't see him, but his brother can see him. So it's like you know it's one of those emotional movies. You know I lost my brother. Like, uh, so it kind of like, I can understand that. Like, you know, I don't, I don't see him at times, but I know he's there. And like, I just take that in. I'd be like, yo, that's, that would be pretty dope. That can really happen. All right. So we're talking to you on president's day. So I have a, a president's day question for you. Famously, obviously, I think in South Dakota, there is Mount Rushmore. The, the face of four famous presidents are on Mount Rushmore. So give me the Mount Rushmore of UCF basketball? What are the four faces on UCF's Mount Rushmore? And are you one of those faces? Uh, 
I, I wouldn't put myself, you know, it's a, it's a lot of greats uh, that played there. I definitely would put um, Mike O'Donnell. Uh, I got Jermaine some candidates. I got some. I got JT on there. I got BJ Taylor. You got Taco Fall. You got Bo Clark. You got Matt Williams. Definitely, yeah. I mean, it's it's a lot of great players that's been through there. So, like, you know, I don't I don't put myself above anybody. Like, you know, we we all were great players, and you know, we all did what we had to do and was special in our own way. And that's one of the things about UCF. Like, I feel like every time, like with football or whether it's soccer, like they just had those special players that you know everybody probably knew nothing about or they knew but like they just take their game to another level like you know like the johnny uh menzel what uh what's his name uh last name i'm sorry what's the, uh, the football player uh that johnny got menzel? hurt yeah oh, no, Milton. Milton. yeah yeah like him you know his his story is you know crazy you know unbelievable you know what he's doing now i see he just like release the app for UCF and stuff like that. And it's just like, once you go there, like you, you just want to be a part of it. It's like, dang, this, like nobody would have thought this school was that amazing until you, like I tell people, I'm like, once you go there, you'll see what I'm talking about. Like, <laughs> If you could have one superpower, what would it be? Hmm. I'd probably say to tell the future. That's not bad. That's not bad at all. <laughs> what, would you, what would you do with that information, though? Would you use it to your advantage, like get the lottery numbers, make sure you you, you, know, you know where to where to stand on the court because you're going to be open? How would you use that? Uh, for me personally, like, definitely, like, on the court, I would use that. But, like, I would, I would use it as a gift to bless others, you know, just uh, – help others and you know that's one of the things i love to do is helping others and being a blessing to others well i can tell you what i say after this interview you may be on my mount rushmore of ucf basketball because i'm ready to go work out right now i'm gonna go get a lift in after this you guys all fired up and uh, definitely took us down the memory lane at your time at ucf man so we appreciate you getting up and uh, talking to us i know it's early over there your time and hopefully when you get back to the states we can catch up with you real soon but uh, it's been a real pleasure man thanks for joining us all right thank you at Marshalls, our buyers hustle every day for the brands you love. Tell me about the leather booties. Is that crystal? Silk? At that price? You've got a deal. With great deals always in store, come in and get more of the good stuff. Marshalls, get the good stuff. Welcome to America, the land of junk sleep, where it's bedtime, but you're double booked. Here, there's always one more deadline to meet, episode to watch, or meme to share. The world may not want you to sleep, but we do. Only the sleep experts at Mattress Firm can help you find the right bed at the right price. Unjunk your sleep. In-store or online at mattressfirm.com today. This is UCF Athletic Director Terry Mahajer, and in my spare time when I'm not on TikTok, I'm listening to Adam and Mike on the Sons of UCF. Go Knights and charge on Isaiah Sykes, Mike. Um, Zeke. My goodness. I, I'm ready to go work out, run through a brick wall. I mean, I'm ready to go go do something, man. What, the way that he talks about just playing the game, how much it meant to him, 
getting up and, and getting shots in early, you know, how we didn't want to leave UCF. Like, I mean, it, it, it's interesting, the conversation that we had prior to him coming on about what's this team missing. It's missing that. Like, everything he talked about in that interview is literally what we don't see in our current team right there. And he just embodied all of it um, in, you know, in a 40-minute conversation. And that was awesome. That's right. The hustle, man. That, that's what I remember most about him is his hustle. He, you mentioned his defensive play, just attacking the basket. You know, if we had a couple guys like that on this year's team, this whole season could be different right now. Yeah, I mean, what a what a great representative, and and how much he still follows UCF. I mean, he, the guy's in Kuwait for crying out loud, and he's getting up early to watch. Uh, to watch. I mean, you and I won't stay up past ten to watch a basketball game. He's getting up at like three a.m. to to catch, you know, a mid uh, a midweek roadie on the AAC, and you and I are are tucked in our beds and uh, and fast asleep. But good to catch up with Isaiah Sykes again. He may be on my Mount Rushmore. Like I don't know, he may have talked me into being on the Mount Rushmore. I'm not. I mean, Bo Clark's got to be there. Yes. Um, I think you got to go, BJ Taylor. Jermaine Taylor. JT probably right is there. I mean, then you're living off Taco. Mm-hmm. Get injured a lot, uh, though. Yeah. Aubrey was only there really for like a year and a half. So you, Matt Williams. You get a big part. Matt Williams is up there. That's right. Mm-hmm. Um, we have to ask one of these old Torchy, I mean, I guess he's not a player, Dexter. though. Ah. Dexter's yeah. Uh, Josh Peppers. Guys like that. You know, a lot of those guys from, you know, 10, 20 years ago. Are in consideration for sure. Yeah, I think Isaiah's on my on my Mount Rushmore. It wouldn't be a bad pick, that's for sure. He's a nice all-around player, offense and defense. Let's uh, we'll do this on the fly. We had some other stuff planned, but let's just go right to cow of the week. I think we've we put in enough effort here for this evening. Uh, so let's go cow of the week. I know typically I, these catch you off guard if you're watching us on the uh, on the YouTube channel because Mike probably has zero idea what he wants to do for cow of the week at this point. But that's the fun of doing this on the YouTube channel. Uh, if you're listening on the podcast, maybe Mike has figured it out by now, but I, he hasn't really because it's still live on the YouTube channel. So, Mike, do you have? Are you ready with a cow of the week? Do you have anything or anybody you want to nominate? I have a cow of the week. Uh, it hit me during the interview. Uh, you know, something I just saw yesterday, or actually, I, probably this morning, I saw a video. Jawan Howard, oh. head basketball coach for the Michigan oh. Wolverines. Yikes. <laughs> In the um, handshake line after the game against Wisconsin this past, what was it, the game yesterday or Saturday? This past it weekend? was Sunday. It was Sunday game, yeah. Yeah. Um, smacks a coach on the other team. <laughs> Gets into it with the uh, the coach of the Wisconsin. No, I, I don't know what happened in this game. I don't know, you know, why I can, I can this fill in the, I can fill in the gaps for you here. They call him Go Snap on. and Pop, right? No, so uh, so Michigan was losing badly, and uh, they were still pressing uh, Wisconsin. Wisconsin had their you know their walk ons in, and so like three seconds left, they were pressing, and they would essentially get a ten a ten second backcourt violation. Wisconsin called a timeout with like four seconds left. Rather than just take the violation, Wisconsin's coach said, hey, I didn't want to put my guys in that position. I wanted to be able to reset the clock and throw the ball in and end the game cleanly. Michigan was like, hey, that's not necessary. You're up by 15. There's four seconds left. No big deal. We're pressing. Just deal with it. Juwan Howard went to walk past the Wisconsin coach on the on the walkthrough there. And uh, there was a bit of a grab by the Wisconsin coach on his arm. Juwan put his finger in his chest and then someone got slapped. They call him Snap and Pop. Snap and Pop. And he will pop you. You just can't have that. That that is just a bad example for the kids, man. And we we see this handshake line. Look, you lost. You got beat by 15. I understand you're frustrated. Take the loss like a man and just get out of town. And this whole slapping people and all this stuff is not necessary. He's going to pay the price for it. He's going to have to get uh, suspended, I'm sure, right? Five-game suspension was announced a little bit ago. So he'll, he'll be back for um, the conference tournament, 
and the NCAA tournament. Wisconsin, neither the coach who grabbed him or the coach who got slapped, nobody on their team got any uh, suspensions. I think there was a 10K fine. There may not be a uh, big tournament for Michigan. They were on the bubble last I saw. And then you're telling yeah. me they just got beat by 15 the other night. Um, they may be on the outside looking in. If things work out our way, and we, you know, I forget it. We're not going to get into that. <laughs> but if they'd come down to us in Michigan, we have the head-to-head. Now they have this against. And this is just another little mark against the team, right? If, if you're going to have something like an incident like this, I'm thinking if you're on a bubble team, um, you know, bad press here for them going into the end of the season. Yeah, obviously it's not what you want. I mean, Juwan Howard's got to be smarter than that, right? I get the guy grabbed you and the guy maybe said something to you, but you got to be smarter than that, particularly when you're the coach of the team, right? Because if that was one of your players, you'd have kicked him off the team. You'd have suspended him for a couple of days, right? You can't set that example as a coach. I think the dumb part is now it's we got to abolish the, the handshake line uh, because two guys can't figure out how to shake hands. The whole handshake line's got to go away. I don't disagree that it's not necessarily needed, by the way, but it's also something like just because – one guy can't figure out how to shake a hand doesn't mean we need to give her the whole thing. I think it's sometimes that's actually the fun part of the game, watching the guys see each other at the end and, you know, give each other a hug or a high five and, you know, wish each other good luck. And for some of those guys, you're, you're meeting, you know, Juwan Howard, who was a famous NBA player, right? So maybe that's a, a guy you want to shake his hand, say hello to him. So I don't think that's, you don't want him to slap you, I guess, is probably the issue. Um, just shake your hand, don't slap him. But um, I don't think you give her the handshake line. That's that seems dumb. No, sportsmanship is and should be a big part of this whole thing, especially you know, collegiate level, high school. You're talking about kids. My daughters are playing softball. The last couple of seasons, they had they had to get rid of the handshake line because yeah. of COVID. And also, you can't slap five anymore. But you still line up. You still tip your hat to the other team. You say good game. That's what sports is all about. And to get rid of it because one idiot, two idiots can't control themselves. Grown men. Um, that, that's stupid. That's not going to go away. All right, I got a couple of Cal of the Week options. Uh, one was um, the NBA slam dunk contest was horrible. I didn't actually see any of it, but I saw some of the highlights, and there was no highlights. Uh, that was just horrible. Uh, two, um, my, my next Cal of the Week, my Twitter fights. Twitter fight. I mean, what are we doing with Twitter fights? You people aren't solving anything in 140 characters. And I'm tagging this thing. I got like 95 retweets. Somebody's giving me like the, the conference teams they want, how much money teams make. But Twitter fights are solving nothing. I don't, let's, just, let's just all like figure out how to figure that out. Twitter fights just... Hey, it's just we're not getting anywhere with those. I don't know how I got roped into this again. It seems to happen to me on like Friday afternoons. Maybe it's slow <laughs> at work. Somebody pops off with the same stupid thing. My thing is these people just can't accept that there's another point of view. And it, it, maybe it's just not this in basketball, whatever. I, I said this a couple of weeks ago. It's like the Republicans and the Democrats. People are set in their ways and there's no change in their mind. And no matter what you say, no matter what the results are on the court, no matter if this team loses the next 10 games, people are not going to say Johnny should go. And if he wins out and he wins the conference tournament and he goes to the dance and wins two games there, people are still going to say they want him gone. It's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. You should change your, your opinions allowed to change based on results. Uh, and I, I, I've had it with this. I don't know how I got sucked into this. I'm sorry that you were tagged you, in it. You, you know that it's not going to change your mind, yet you still try. <laughs> that's yeah. that's the fun part about it. You still get it. I'm not even to the point where I'm trying to change other people's minds. I'm just trying to let them say, you know, I'm trying to tell them, you know, there is another view of this. You know, that just because it's not agreeing with what you're saying doesn't mean I'm right or wrong, but you have to understand that there there is another point to this whole uh, argument here. Well, it's not just, I mean, every day there's some sort of Twitter spat with somebody and it's like 35 threads long and you're never changing anybody's mind on Twitter. 
Like, has, has anyone ever been like, you know what, I, I, read, I read your tweet, Mike, and now I'm on your side, right? And that's never going to happen, so I don't know. Here's my real Catholic, is the, um, the women's basketball AP voters, who uh, this week, again, the 20-3 and UCF Knights, 12-1 and in conference, received a total of eight votes, Mike. That is good enough to be ranked number 29 in the nation. This is a team that is 20 and 3, 12 and 1 in conference. They got eight of votes. They're number 29. Here are some of the stellar teams in front of them. Number 13, Maryland is 20 and 7. Number 22, Georgia Tech is 19 and 8. And number 25, Georgia is 18 and 8. Yet the 20 and 3 American Conference leading um, women's Knights basketball team, 12 and 1, obviously not good enough. And they can only get eight votes, Mike. I don't, I don't know if they don't, if they're not watching this. I'm not sure what, what's happening. They don't want to, rank an American conference team. I have no idea what's happening, but this is literally like, like a, a fireball offense. This should be a congressional investigation at this point. Yeah. This is an indictment on the league we're in. I think if we have this, this season in the big 12, there's no doubt we're in the top 25, right? Top 10. Yeah. Um, but not, this league, once UConn left, it's basically that they were the, the marquee team in this league. And outside of them, they were beating everybody that by 30, 40 points. Once they're gone, people kind of look down on the American on the women's side, at least um so you know what it's fine i know we want them to be ranked but we can use this as a chip on our shoulder kind of thing heading into the tournament where you don't get the respect with the rodney danger field uh, of you know women's basketball i think it could be used as a good thing going forward and you know the thing that hurts us is if we're not ranked if we're we're not looked upon a certain way we're going to get a tougher seed in, in the dance and that's not cool so you'd like to see us get the respect and maybe get a, a four or five seed. If we're a top 25 team, I think that's where it puts you, right? Right around the four or five spot, maybe a six. And then you're, you're looking at a better chance to advance as, as the tournament comes along. So um, eventually it'll get evened out, I think. But, you know, what it's going to take is just keep doing it. Keep winning yeah. and win a couple big games. And then, you know, we saw it in football a few years ago. You know, we weren't getting any respect. 2017, we didn't get ranked until the very end of that season. And, and, you know, then the next year they start taking notice. Okay, you got preseason rankings the next couple of years. So Coach Abe is building this thing. And if she continues it the way it's going, we're going to get the results in the next couple of years. And we can get the rankings in the next couple of years too. Yeah, I mean, they're still going to obviously make the tournament, I would hope, even if they, especially if they win the conference, they're an automatic um, uh, tie-in at that point. But, I mean, it just it just speaks to how flawed the process is that no one can figure out that a 20-3 team, 12-1 in conference is good. I'm not saying they can rank them number one, Mike. I'm not saying they should be number 10. They're probably just as good as the number 25, 18-8 Georgia, right? Put them 25, put them 24. They don't need to be one, but it's got to be better than others receiving votes, number 29 in the nation, Mike. it's um, a lot. We did a lot tonight. Yeah, hour and 42 minutes, according to the clock here. Yeah, um, yeah good show. Good interview with Zeke. Uh, we discussed some hard-hitting things here with the basketball team. Baseball is off to a great start. So, you know, I know football's kind of slowed down here, and that's what most of us tune in for. But, you know, there's a lot of other things going on, and it's, we got conference tournament coming up soon. So still a lot of exciting moments to go. Yeah, and softball uh, is underway, and they had a nice little showing in the tournament this weekend. Probably not as many wins as they would have liked. So, still some exciting times. This is when that ESPN Plus membership really pays off because you can you can literally bounce on Sunday. There was the baseball game on, and you could flip over the softball match, and you could flip over the basketball game. Uh, so you literally had everything you needed at your fingertips there on uh, on ESPN Plus. This is probably the time where it comes in handy because you know five years ago these things weren't even available to us. So now you have all that available. What else is available to you, Mike? Is everything that you see us doing here now. It's on our website, tunenetsmedia.com. It's on our YouTube channel. You can catch uh, a lot of interviews on there. Trace, our man on the scene, 
with any and every coach he can find. If you are a coach at UCF, Trey Stolko is coming for you. So just get ready for his tripod now because he's going to be in your face very, very soon. And it'll be on our YouTube channel. So check that out. Obviously, find us on social media, Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram, all that good jazz. Follow Mike for more. Mike, you know, Twitter at Friday afternoon, Mike's board at work, Twitter spats. You know, you can follow Mike at UCF Mike one. You can catch up on more of those. Um, and then Thursday, Mike, live shows on Thursday. Uh, BJ Taylor, I think, expected to join us again this week. The star of ESPN Plus now, by the way. That's right. We launched his career, as we tell him every week. Um, you know, I'm done with the Twitter stuff. Oh, I'm we're not done? Getting into any- well, I am. I'm done. Retired. I'm not, I'm not okay. having this discussion anymore. I've had enough of it. Um, I had enough of it the other day. and It is what it is. We're, you know, we're not convincing anybody one way. They're not convincing yeah. me the other way. So that's over with. Uh, but baseball, I'm very excited for. And, you know, softball, it's a softball, too. I'm into the softball. My daughters are playing softball, so I'm definitely going to check out a, a few of those games coming up. I think they actually the baseball team is here against FAU, I want to say March 4th, mm-hmm. 5th, something like that, or April 3rd. I, I don't know. i got to look up the schedule. Maybe you have the chance to check them out again. They're actually in my neck of the woods tomorrow night. I'm not sure if I'm naked out to that one just yet, but they're up here in Jacks playing UNF, so – I'll see if I can uh, meander my way over there, Mike. Maybe you can get your buddy Juan Gonzalez to just take on your Twitter advice for you. <laughs> there's two Juan Gonzalez. You tag two different guys. They both responded to you. I'm not sure really? which one's a Juan. Yes, there's two of them. I'm not sure which one's your Juan Gonzalez, but it seems like they're know. both ready to take it for cost. I don't know which guy it is either. I've never met Juan Gonzalez, but he's my biggest fan, so whatever he yes. wants. You yeah. found him. We're, we're starting. I told you we're starting a new uh, podcast. We host uh, everybody else. Says you might. Everybody <laughs> in the pool at this one, Mike. Everybody in the pool. Uh, speaking of the pool, uh, Thursday night, uh, me, Mike, and Trace will be back to uh, chat about all things UCF on the live show. That's Facebook. That's Twitter. That's YouTube. That's you. That's us. Make sure you're there for that. Until then, uh, Mike. Everybody have a fantastic week. I mean, it's a it's a good one. A lot of stuff going on. Uh, keep it locked here. We will uh, we'll keep you up to date. Yeah, man. I'm ready. Uh, Let's see if basketball can finish this thing off strong. We mentioned getting into the top four seeds, top five seeds. That is something, a goal that's, I think, realistic. And let's see if they can do it. Until then, everybody, have a fantastic week. Go Knights. Charge on. Maybe Isaiah Sykes for head coach. Maybe. Defense, at least. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18-plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18-plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. Podcast Network. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, 
you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.